Hello and welcome to this week's Therapy For Me. And if you've been listening to this for more than, say, a couple of weeks, it isn't going to take you long to work out what I'm actually going to talk about this week. Because in a week which begins with the sacking of Suella Braverman, the sacking of the Home Secretary at nine o'clock on a Monday morning, it's fairly obvious that that's going to capture my attention. And to be honest, what's happened this week is my attention's been captured for more than just that little bit of the news cycle. In fact, because of what's gone on this week, it's been captured with it by, I guess, for most of the week. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do something a little bit different to what I would normally do, which is I'm going to I'm going to use every day to think about or talk about or collect my thoughts on a particular conservative politician. So that means I'm going to look through the eyes of five conservative politicians over the course of the week, just in the context of the news that we've had this week. And it's not just about the reshuffle. Uh, It's just everything that's gone on, you know, in terms of the week. So if you'll forgive me, and by the way, if you're not fancying a politics overload, then maybe this is the week that you give TFM a swerve because there isn't going to be anything else. I mean, I could talk to you about the back, the fact I've bought some Caramax uh, today uh, and I'm quite pleased to have bought some Caramax today. I don't think I've bought enough to last me for a long enough period of time. But And I could talk to you about other bits and pieces, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm going to stick squarely with the politics thing because the fascination I have with this shower of government. Okay? So you have been warned. Now's the time to exit if you don't fancy that. If you're carrying on, yeah, then let's crack on. And do you know what? Do you know what? I'm going to start with David Cameron. Monday. You may recall that on the software that I use to record this, I colour code the weeks, and it's the same template I use every every single time. And I put I collect TFM into a, a month's worth of um, sessions. So in any one in any one recording session, there's there's either four or five uh, weeks recordings, depending on the number of weeks in the month, depending on how the dates fall. And the colours are the same. Uh, week one is is always lime. Week three is always red. Week four is always pink. And if there's a week five, it's a a slate grey. Um, but week two, which is what we're on at the moment, uh, because this is the second full week of November, is blue. And consequently, that means today is Blue Monday. Um, and I can't think of anything more apt um, for Blue Monday than the news that. I guess took everybody by surprise, myself included. Um, I don't think anybody would have predicted the fact that we would be seeing David Cameron get out of a car on Downing Street, go through the front door to be offered a cabinet position. And that's, of course, exactly what happened today. Now, it's interesting that he got offered the only position, really, I think you could have given him, which is foreign secretary. And I do wonder if this talks to the sheer lack of options that Sunak had available to him. Um, but it's probably the one role. If you're going to appoint somebody from the Lords to to take a uh, one of the great officers of state, then then I guess Foreign Secretary is the obvious one to have somebody in the Lords uh, doing, though it does present a lot of challenges. Um, I think there's a number of things wrapped up in this. Uh, one... I'm highly surprised in some respects, particularly because 
Cameron's been quite critical over a number of things recently. He was very critical around the decision around HS2. Um, I think it shows a slight lack of self-awareness on his part, though he, he was always a very confident politician, because I'm, I'm not quite convinced he's really worked out how much of the country doesn't like him uh, and doesn't like him for a lot of reasons. And it's very easy to think that we blame Cameron for Brexit. Um, for those of us who think Brexit is a terrible idea, then it's easy to blame Cameron for that. And there's a reason for that, because he he bet the house on it. He bet an election on giving a, a uh, referendum, uh, a referendum he was convinced he would win on the back of winning the uh, referend- referendum in Scotland, and then to get that so spectacularly wrong. But I think what you've got to remember with Cameron is that Cameron was the architect of austerity. And without austerity, we don't, We probably don't have Brexit because there's no doubt that the years of austerity fed into an argument that ultimately meant that Vote Leave was able to capitalise on that discontent. So there's a lot you have to look at and make a decision whether you forgive Cameron for or not. And if you don't forgive him for it, or even if you do, you can still ask the question about whether he's the right person to come back and take the position he's taken. Now, there's other ways of looking at this. Is is this literally, are we in the death throes? And, 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 and the example that Alison and I were talking about it as it was going on, and the example I gave straight away was when Gordon Brown bought Mandelson back and indeed did exactly the same thing, ennobled him into the Lords to allow him to, give, to have a cabinet position, which is exactly obviously what's happened with, with Cameron. And ultimately, ultimately, it made no difference to the political weather. Prior to Mandelson coming back, Brown looked finished. And as much as I think Mandelson probably made a positive impact, Brown just lost by a little bit less, would be my kind of take on on that. And I wonder if... I mean, look, this is a whole change of direction. This is... This is an interesting shift. This is a shift from, you know, sort of, I don't want to say hard right Tory party, but certainly a a right wing Tory party to something that's far more centrist. I mean, people say centre left, but I don't know if we necessarily can can look at it as centre left, but it's certainly far more centrist. So it's occupying a lot more of the space that, Labour was was has been trying to occupy. So the, this is a huge shift. Cameron is talismanic. Talismanic is probably the wrong phrase, but he's certainly indicative of that move. And I think there's other people that have moved on that have, have been indicative as uh, as well. But he's certainly indicative um, as in in this racial pl- of, of a move away uh, from that more right wing um, idea of the, of the of the conservative. Uh, front bench. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. What we do know is that the YouGov polling suggests that people don't want him. Um, He divides opinion in an almost unique way, which is that hardly anybody likes him in terms of the fact that whether you think he's a credible politician or not, and there's a lot of argument to suggest that he is an experienced, incredible politician and may do a very good job in the foreign office the fact is remainers don't like him because they blame him for what happened and leavers don't like him because they 
blame him for being on the wrong side of the argument and then for disappearing off when the decision was made. So he's in that position of, of, of uniting everybody in their disliking of David Cameron. Tuesday. Today's headlines should theoretically all have been about the sacking of uh, Suella. But in reality, they ended up being all about David Cameron, as you'd expect, which meant that Suella was quite canny and basically put out a holding statement on the day she was sacked to say that more would follow. And the more that was going to follow, followed today. And the beauty of doing that was that she dominated the papers the day after. Now, the interesting thing about her resignation letter was that she ripped into Sunak. She left nothing there, though she did hint there was more to come. But she made a great job of ripping apart what he had done so far to say that it wasn't working, that everything he was trying had failed and that this was absolutely now a moment of of panic and a moment of um, maximum threat because the last year actually had been a waste of time in terms of trying to change any of the fortunes of the Tory party. What was really interesting, and it's a long time since anybody's letter actually ripped into a current leader in quite this way, but what was really interesting was she also alluded to the fact that a deal had been done, confirmed a deal had been done, for her to get her support to allow him to ultimately become leader and the things that she wanted to prioritise and the things she wanted to do and his tacit approval to that. And while she didn't produce anything that corroborated that, at the end of the day, she's put that out there and that will be followed up at a later point in time. So what we now know, and we always suspected, that there was a deal. That there was a, call it a grubby little deal if you want, I don't think it is, it was just a transactional deal. There was a deal that was done that would allow her to be Foreign Secretary, and sorry, Home Secretary, and meant that she would absolutely be able to act in the way that she's acted. To act with the largesse that she had, with the remit that she wanted, and to be able to say what she wanted to say. Uh, a lot of it, which was very, very divisive, um, and was a, a dog whistle to, to 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 those people who were on the right of politics. This is obviously not the last we're going to hear from her. In fact, she is going to be an absolute thorn in the side. I mean, the last time you can think of anything like this happening, it was done in a far more, it was no less devastating, but it was done in a far more genteel way. And that was when Geoffrey Howe resigned and absolutely delivered an incredible speech in the Commons which which ripped apart and was the beginning of the end for Margaret Thatcher. Maybe it's just the timing. Maybe it's just the fact that what Howe did back then was the equivalent of what um, Braverman was doing now. But Braverman delivered it in a very, very 2023 way and absolutely, absolutely left nobody in any doubt that she wants to be the next Tory leader, that she feels they're going to lose the next election and she's positioning herself to absolutely be the person who will take over from Rishi at that point in time. 
which is effectively declared open warfare on people like James Cleverley and Kemi Badenoch because those are the people currently sat in a far better position. Braverman's not even that liked within the Conservative Party. She has a very, very small base of support, but she represented something for the right wing that was important. It's going to be interesting to see how hard she goes because she's got ground to make up if she really wants to be the next Conservative leader, assuming that they're going to lose the next election. Wednesday. I'm going to talk about Andrea Jenkins next, and hers is a name you might not have picked up on through the week. In fact, hers might be a name you don't know at all, actually. Uh, She's the MP for Morley. Uh, and she has been around and about in government. She had posts under Boris Johnson. Um, and she's been around the edges, you know, for a while. Uh, I think she was, I want to say education secretary, I might be wrong on that. Um, the reason why I'm talking about Andrew Jenkins today is the fact that she has put in a letter of no confidence in Rishi Sunak. Um, and this is interesting for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, she's the first person who's broke ranks to do this, um, effectively saying that he's the problem. I mean, obviously, Braverman said it, but she's actually gone and put the letter in. Now, we're a long way away from the 50-odd letters that would be required to force a vote of no confidence in, in Rishi Sunak. What's interesting about this is the fact that that's even something that's being discussed. A year into this leadership we're at that stage or we appear to be at the beginnings of that stage and there is talk and has been talked through the week of maybe four five six letters following on now of course as you remember because we've talked about in the past once those letters are in unless they're somebody asks for them to to be given back they stay there so this is this is number one and it could take a year or 18 months to get to that figure but to be fair by then we'll have had an election but the the point is if there's a disaster in in february there might already be six or eight letters and you might get 20 more at that point it starts to be something that means that for all of other mps you don't want to be the last one you know you look you you, you smell the wind and, and work out which direction do I want to be on? Do I want to be seen to be one of them putting in the letter or do I want to be seen to be waiting? But she's she's already gone there. She's gone there. Now, there's a couple of things about this. One, there's a very good chance she'll lose her seat at the next election. Um, certainly with the polling numbers that we have at the moment, she's, she's in a very difficult situation. She's also a Boris fan. And she's another one of these MPs calling for um, some quite significant policy changes. I think in all of this, what astonished me was not that she'd done it, because you don't have to look very far to find headbangers in this particular party, was the fact that she thought the country would allow this party to change its leader again. Because at the end of the day, Johnson gets elected. We've had Liz Truss and we've had Sunak and this would then be the third unelected Conservative leader and by default Prime Minister within this Parliament. Which is, I mean, the the arrogance, the arrogance of people like Andrea Jenkins to think that the public would stand for this 
again is beyond me is absolutely beyond me Thursday if you are to feel sorry for a conservative politician this week and I I don't know if I naturally do but if you were to pick one to feel sorry for I'd probably go for James Cleverly as the person I would feel slightly sorry for he was obviously foreign secretary up until Monday morning and doing a relatively good job from what I understand and as much as there's some difficult um, things and some challenges going on with current world events at the end of the day there's something quite nice about being in that role it's a very much a revered role on the world stage in some in some cases you could argue almost more revered than than the prime ministerial role and he will have been having quite a nice time traveling around the globe speaking to a lot of people being um very well looked after and very well received and yet at 9 30 10 o'clock 10 30 on monday morning he he gets given the home secretary brief um particularly when his old job's given to david cameron and his world kind of collides in onto something that he wasn't quite expecting and of course the job he's given means all manner of things at the moment but it certainly means dealing with small boats and dealing with protests and dealing with the legacy of a home secretary who spent the last well actually you could argue the last couple of home secretaries who spent most of their time literally just appealing to the right wing of the well not just the right wing of the party the right wing full stop so this is a man who privately had described the Rwanda policy as batshit who had to then stand up today when the Rwanda policy was found to be unlawful by the Supreme Court and defend it and also defend whatever was coming next to try and reinstate or get the policy to in some way, shape or form work. So if you are going to feel a little bit sorry for somebody this week, you perhaps have to feel a little bit sorry for him. The other thing, of course, is that he's very well thought of by a lot of people within the Conservative Party in terms of the members who will be already looking at who follows Rishi. So not only has he been given a fairly thankless task at the moment in terms of that particular role, because there's nothing in that role really that you can you can look at and say is a, a you know a great example of. I mean, look, it's not Chancellor, and it's not Foreign Secretary, so you're not you've 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 got you've got the technically you've got the importance but you've 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 got all the shit at the same time so he's ended up with that and at the same time it might not do his chances of of following rishi any favors he's been given a fairly duff hand and there's a very good chance that it might impact on how people feel about him so if you are going to feel sorry for anybody maybe maybe he's the one you'd feel sorry for still not convinced but maybe friday you either start with rishi or you end with rishi and i've decided to end with rishi uh and this probably will be the shortest of all the sections really he's just thrown the dice he's thrown the dice because he's got nothing left to try He's pivoted the party away from where it was and pivoted it back into a different position. I don't actually know where we are now. I've no idea. People can talk about an elected mandate and this, that and the other, but I don't know where this party sits 
in line with the mandate it was elected on. So all the policies in that that manifesto that it put out before Johnson was elected, I don't know where we are with any of those now anymore. I don't know what we stand for. I don't know where we're at. I think it's impossible to argue in any way, shape or form that this party has any form of mandate to govern now because we're so far removed from that electoral event and what they campaigned on that I think whatever they say is is ridiculously disingenuous. He can't... It's only six weeks ago he was saying that he was the agent of change. That forget what's gone before, he's the change candidate now. How can he be the change candidate if he's just brought back the guy who was Prime Minister at the start of this cycle in 2010. How, how, how can that possibly be the narrative if that's where he's gone back to? We've, 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 we've done a full circle now. We've been through every possible variation in the colour blue and we've ended up to a certain extent back where we started. And I don't know if you ask the question, is the country any better off or do you feel better off? Or do you feel there's been development? I don't know if anybody could answer positively to that question. So we're now back to a situation where Rishi is working with his Chancellor to maybe bring around a cut in inheritance tax because that they're left that's all they're left with. That's that all that is all they are absolutely left with. I don't know where you go to make appointments. I don't know where they go. I just I don't know what I just don't know what happens now. This is a this is a wounded beast and, and the idea that we've still potentially got a year plus of this to go seems almost anti-democratic. Even though I know in my heart of hearts that's nonsense, but it somehow feels that way. That, that you could have a situation that's so far removed from what they were elected on and for it somehow to have legitimacy, I struggle with. So I don't know... I just don't know where Rishi goes from here. I don't know what this is. Is is this a confident, you know, to everybody when Cameron, when the door opened and Cameron got out, I think there was this this for a nanosecond there was this thought of well that was a, that was a curveball. Nobody saw this coming. That's a piece of that's a, somehow a piece of of political nous and genius. But actually, as you think about it and you ravel, it just isn't. It just isn't. It's just, it's just all that was left. And we're now thr- thrusting about and doing things like this that don't seem to have an enormous amount of thought behind them just because that's all they've got. And that's all he's got. And I'm really now struggling to see... Well, I'm just thinking about how much longer we've got and 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 how change can't come. It just can't come quick enough. It really can't come quick enough so do you know what he's provided some entertainment Rishi you've you've definitely provided me with 25 minutes worth of TFM content this week without a shadow of a doubt but other than that I don't see how the country's any better off I mean you could argue that Braverman's not there but she's going to continue to do what she's going to do from the sidelines all of that's going to continue to happen um, that that party is going to continue to splinter and divide, and we're just going to have to watch it and live through it. And the fact that it's impotent in for the for the period that it remains in in office. So yeah, okay, maybe maybe a bit 
maybe a bit of a shock on Monday, maybe a lot to write about and this, that and the other. But as we get to the end of the week, I I don't know if we're any more or less screwed than we were on, on Monday, really. Um, that sounds like a really flat ended. I'm really sorry about that. In fact, I've, I've I've noticed as I've been doing this that that this is probably quite a <laughs> not a negative. Well, it's got to be negative. If you think about what I'm talking about, but I don't know. Just I'll I'll try and be a bit more upbeat next week. Let, let's let's do froth next week. Let's let's try and find froth rather than this. But I just needed to get this off my chest. I guess at the end of the day, going back to the title of the thing. I feel better for doing this, even if you don't necessarily feel better for having to listen to it. So all I will then do is wish you a really, really, really great weekend and and go and do something wild and frivolous and have a great time and, and stay safe and be well. And I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>